0: I'm trying to figure out. We we had a glitch last week, and uh, I don't seem to have a screener today, so we have a glitch this week, and um, hopefully there's somebody out there. <clears throat> Meanwhile, the show that was set up, I'm trying to get my live stream set up on YouTube, but apparently that's not working either. So we're going to just try a new one. Of course, people try to call me while I'm doing my show, because why not? You know, only been doing this show for five years. There's no reason anybody should recognize or remember it. And I'm not frustrated. Today's actually a pretty good day. Um, last week I was frustrated because uh, we didn't plan this thing out. So hopefully today uh, we got everything dialed in. We have uh, a great guest that was supposed to be here two weeks ago, and um, Jonathan Windyboy, he's a state senator or a senator from Montana, and um, he's supposed to be joining us, and I'm sort of stalling as I'm trying to get this thing going here, so anyways... um, If you've ever been to court, if you've ever been charged, you will know that the term or the concept of innocent until proven guilty is really a crock. And it it's it's so far from reality. You know, you are you are deemed to be innocent until proven guilty, um, supposedly. But the truth is, if you get charged with a crime and the prosecution has decided that it is worth it to uh, pursue your case, you are presumed guilty by the prosecutor for sure. Now, the prosecutor works with the law enforcement and the prosecutor works with the bailiffs, and the prosecutor works with the judge, the prosecutor works actually with everybody on the court side of the bar. And if you've ever been into court, you'll realize that there, you know, when you talk about, um, you know, passing the bar, um, you know, the bar, it's actually a thing. It's actually a place. It's actually a me- or a, a wooden rail. That separates the court. The court actually is another term for the judge, but um, the court indicates everything, starting with the judge, and it goes all the way. Uh, here, answer that. That's probably Jonathan who's calling me instead of the number that he spoke. I just love it when everybody gets their shit together and they they figure this out. Um, anyways, that all being said. Here we go. Live control room. Maybe that's the right one. Um, there we go. Let's see here. We're almost there. And let's see if that works. We're going to smile for a thumbnail, and we're going to go live. All right. So we now have two streams here. Uh, for everybody who uh, knows me, knows that I really have no interest in Facebook anymore. And I use it because I have to. But um, we are streaming on Facebook, but we are also streaming on our YouTube channel. And uh, this is the Human Solutions YouTube channel. And I'm about to share this thing, if I can figure out how to do that. I think I can do it here. There we go. And I know Lisa's is still posting the... Uh, the Facebook live stream, and I welcome everybody to join that. But I don't have any way to in, input to it. So, um, okay, hang on just one second. He says that it's, like does that just go to voicemail? If there's no screener. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's there's a there's a place for him to sit on hold. Six four six nine two nine two four nine five, and I can screen the call. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's difficult. We have this show, and, and we uh, uh, tell teach people how to, how to come and do things, and we normally have a screener that's with us, but, um, you know, sometimes things get off-kilter a little bit. Back to court. I'm kind of rambling a little bit because, uh, you know, this thing didn't start off the way it was supposed to. Um, when you go to court and you answer charges, they present charges to you, and they could be in the form of an indictment in the case of a, uh, um, a federal case, especially. Jonathan, I see that you're on there, so if you're listening, just hang tight. I gotta finish my little opening uh, spiel, and then and then we're gonna bring you up. I don't have a screener today, so um, I will be the screener, so just hang tight. Um, it looks like that is you, so anyways, You stand up there and they ask you, how do you plead? And you're gonna likely say not guilty because you probably feel that, uh, you know, you have a case that's worth fighting. And you will find if you're charged with a crime and your case goes forward, um, not only does the court treat you like you're guilty, hell, you might be in custody at the time that you're fighting your case um others, mary excellent we have a screener in play and everything is well with the world we're back in play so imagine this okay so you get picked up on a on a, on a whatever set possession charge or whatever you got raided they they think they have a case against you They get a warrant you get taken into custody all right so now you're locked up do you think that you are presumed innocent while you're being locked up, mm, I don't know. Maybe you do. Then you get drug from your, um, you get drug from your cell, driven in a bus to court, and you're in jailhouse garb, either a jumpsuit or, you know, blues or oranges. Uh, generally speaking, um, or it could be whatever color. Every jail's got their own colors. And uh, you're in shackles, sometimes leg irons, and you go and you answer your charges and you say, not guilty, and they drag you back into a holding cell. Um, they probably take your shackles off once they put you back in the cage, and then they take you back to your uh, your housing, uh, your general custody or whatever type of housing that you're in. Do you think you feel presumed innocent at that point? Um, No. Our guest is having a very difficult time trying to log in. Um, So give me a second, because you know, why why would we have this planned out? I'm just gonna send in the number again. Nine, two, nine, two, four, nine, five. All right. Um, and if this doesn't work, I guess I will try to place the call. Mary, um, I know you're listening. If we can't get this guy to call in, um, can you try calling him or get a hold of Becca? Becca said she knows how to do it. Um, and the number is I'll actually I'll type the number on your uh on your little screen. Sorry about all this, folks. We're having a lovely show today. Um, All right.
1: Well, noncompliant Mary jumping in here while, <laughs> while Joe is uh, okay. doing his uh, his laundry type stuff there that we need to get done, I just want to say how cool it is to have a group of volunteers that we all jump in either before, after, or during and give it our best. And you can tell that we're not uh, some some group of corporate, um, corporate money makers. We're real people really caring and doing everything that we can. So it's less than perfect, and that's what makes us special because we we are constantly growing and evolving just wanted to say that someone's going in gotta go love you bye yeah I
0: think that's Jonathan that's our guest so if you can screen him then I think we're good to go. he figured it out everything's good yeah. all right so anyways back to back to the guilty man so the the if you listen to the words of the song um it talks about uh the guilty man and then it talks about this character who um in this case was me and it was a, it was a a story about how i was accused and locked up and and you know for for healing people with a plant and growing a plant and helping people out um but you know you get accused of a crime and your world changes and you know the thing of it is is when you're locked up and you're supposedly uh innocent until proven guilty it's not it's not just the court that uh, treats you like you're guilty, but um, a lot of times, a lot of your your circle, your inner circle, your outer circle, um, you know, I was very shocked at how uh, the, the, the movement, the so-called movement uh, assumed things that, you know, the accusations that had been flung, and it changes your world. I, I had friends for... Many, many years uh, that, that turned their back and walked away. And I never talked to them again, to be honest. Friends with them for, for 10, 15, 20 years. And I get accused, accused of crimes. Ultimately vindicated. Ultimately completely exonerated. Ultimately the the, the court walked away. The court said, never mind. We're just kidding after six years of, of, of grinded me up in a in a hamburger meal grinder. And those people that I was so close to, people that I let stay at my house, people I I I provided things for, people that I gave generously to, um, in many ways, they they were teachers and medical professionals and people who uh couldn't be um, sullied by a stigma like me who was a man accused and there's such a big difference between being accused and being guilty and again if you listen to the opening song um at the end of it they talk about the innocent man who in the beginning of the song was the guilty man and i watch so many ways and so many things that happen and uh you know there's a lot of good happening out in the world right now and I'm 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 very pleased that you know we seem to have a new generation of activists, of so people that are becoming aware enough to to maybe reach out and have a voice. People that are willing to stand up and at least say something about some of the things that are wrong. And you know um last week I was going to begin the show with a with a with an african chant and um i just got done reading the story of nelson mandela uh, the long road to freedom and uh he was such a such an amazing person because he didn't see himself as being a leader in the sense of he wasn't out there trying to be the leader he was trying to get the work done he was working doing everything he could all the time from the time he was young and, and realized that there was injustice in the world till the time that he ultimately became president of south africa and, and then decided you know he was going to run one term all the work he did was so that he could create a place where a peaceful uh where, where, where the Power could be transferred peacefully, without a coup, without a without a a major deal, and and he accomplished that. You know, man spent 30 years in prison. Imagine that. You know, we have George Martorano comes on our show. He spent 30 years in prison. I I spent months in prison, and it it was you know a hellish experience. And I hopefully will never have to go to prison again. But uh, these people. or
1: maybe worse,
0: maybe there was a, an accusation because of a, a, you know, a vendetta or trying to accomplish something. Now that's a crime in itself, and especially if simply the mere accusation causes a problem. So if you guys have been paying attention, The Human Solution over the last uh, couple of years has expanded our mission. And initially, we were formed um, you know, primarily as, a, as, a, as an activist group, as, a, as an advocate group to champion the cause of victims of the war on drugs, especially cannabis uh, defendants, prisoners, and, and victims uh, of, of persecution. But as we've grown along and there's so many intertwining elements that we've taken on um, cases of um, uh, veterans' rights, And there's been so many veterans that have been uh, um, victimized by prohibition and so many other things. There's so many homeless veterans and so many uh, uh, mentally disabled vets that are just uh, kind of forsaken. And then we've opened it up to disabled rights. You know, there's so many people that... um, uh, one of the big disabilities I see out there are uh, drug and alcohol abuse. People that are um, addicts, people that have um, come to a place that is uh, horrible because of maybe some bad choices they made that were compounded by uh, uh, you know chemical problems with their with physiology and they find themselves in a in a place they can't get out of um and and there's all kinds of disabilities that again cannabis prohibition is is intertwined with and then most recently as i've um, become connected with the southern cheyenne tribe and some of the work i'm doing with some of the some of the folks um, in the native american communities we've opened up our mission to include native american rights and uh, so much so that we've uh, created a wing of the human solution that is uh, specifically taken on native american rights and we have a a man, Sergio Sandoval, who is uh, taking care of this. Now, this call here is from. I'm sorry, Jonathan. I hopefully you can hang on for a little bit. <coughs> this is from
2: Craig Cecil, who
0: is who's from- serving from- a life sentence in federal prison, and uh, he's calling from federal prison today, as he does every week, um, for a 15-minute call. Um, he's locked up for cannabis. Craig. How are you doing today? Hello,
1: Joe. Well, hello from
2: Terre Haute, Indiana. <laughs> yeah, I, I.
0: I apologize for last week. Uh, we had a glitch with the show, and uh, <clears throat> I have a a, a state senator um, that that was coming on as a guest. He's actually on on hold right now, um, and uh, he's. He's going to be uh, joining the show after your call, so um, he's actually listening. He's uh, a man who was accused of, of something that uh, uh, is, caused him harm, and you know all about that, being accused of things that maybe you didn't do or, or maybe weren't, uh, weren't a thing that should have been a crime.
2: Well, unfortunately, our criminal prosecutions, especially when they prosecute under the conspiracy law, you can actually break the law without knowing you're breaking the law. You can actually be made part of a crime that you were careful not to be a part of. It. Our criminal justice system definitely needs some rework.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting. Now, uh, I was just talking about uh, as the show got opened up about, you know, when you go to court um, and they say that you're innocent until proven guilty, but you know, you've been to court um how, how did that work out did you did you feel like you were innocent like you had a chance to to really fight your way out of it
2: well unfortunately that
3: that expression is is used in all the textbooks but
2: what they leave out of that is the prosecutor and the judge have typically worked together for years so they're you, you know they're very accustomed with each other they you know they of course go to dinner and uh bar events and all that and the like together and uh um, the same prosecutor has millions of dollars and tons of resources behind them when they walk into the courtroom. So, not only does he have the resources to do, you know, an incredible amount of things, he has the benefit of the doubt from the judge because the judge knows you. So, uh, basically, you have you walk in the court, and if the prosecutor's accused you, the judge already has two strikes against you. They will give you the opportunity to prove yourself innocent, but oftentimes it's impossible to prove that, you know, the witnesses that the judge, that the prosecutor puts up there, and in the case of a conspiracy, all the witness says is they walk in and the witness is usually a, somebody, is usually a prisoner themselves. They'll walk in and say, I'm convicted of a crime. I committed this crime. And he knew about it or he helped me with it, that's enough to get you convicted, just that, you know, you have a connection to somebody in prison.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy. And, uh, you know, we're talking about nowadays especially, um, you know, just the stigma of an accusation can be, you know, a career-changing, a life-changing event. And, you know, it's... I don't know, you know. I don't know that there's an answer for it. I'm, I, you know, a lot of times we pose a question that that may or may not have an answer. But I think a lot of it is is that we start looking at at our community, that we start looking at ourselves, um, hopefully with a, a little bit of honesty, and 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 maybe get some perspective about what's important and what's not. Um, you know, we have still a very violent society. We have. Horror, horrible actions that are taking place all over the world, and rather than put resources at stopping them, you know we're still locking people up. You know, a guy in Pennsylvania, uh, I just saw on the news this morning, a fifty-one or fifty-three-year-old man was in Pennsylvania, and uh, some kind of a task force stumbled upon him um, out in the out in the woods, and he had I don't know. They said they had Ted. 10 plants, um, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Now, Pennsylvania, I, I could imagine it snowed out there, so it might not have been a reference to a very current thing. But either way, they're claiming that uh, he took off, and they were chasing after him, and they had a big uh, tractor, you know, a big bulldozer. And ultimately, uh, the guy ended up getting squished underneath this bulldozer. And uh, they're claiming he hid out underneath it, and then they didn't know he was there. But... For whatever reason, the fact that they were chasing him over 10 plants, over any amount of plants, it could have been 100 plants, 1,000 plants, you're going to chase a guy down to the point where ultimately he loses his life. And i got to wonder, maybe there was something violent that was happening somewhere within 10 miles of that place that maybe resources could have been put towards. always oh, what really gets me upset about that whole situation
2: is there was probably a number of officers chasing him and they're going all that for some marijuana plants but yet in my hometown of Chicago there was 700 murders and they only really looked into like 200 and something of them. The other ones they they just do a cursory review write a file and uh, put it away. Now what are these you know what is law enforcement Are, are they to stop from a Are they there to stop people from getting hurt? Like people that are getting murdered or, or are they there to, you know, just find some violation of the law to lock somebody up or like growing their own plants to smoke I mean, you know, where where is the victim in in a marijuana offense? They even admitted at, at my sentencing that of course there's no victim. There was nobody that was had anything forced upon them.
0: Yeah, I think if we were to prioritize ourselves, um, you know, where we put our resources, you know, one of the things that pisses me off a lot is, um, you know, you get taxed to hell. In California, we have one of the highest taxing rates there are. In fact, uh, with the new tax code, um, I, I don't even get to write off my state taxes for my federal taxes. So, you know, we're getting raped from all sides, and, and now we got a, a, a tax-hungry governor that just... Took office and they and and he's got a tax hungry uh, legislation behind him. So they're they're all sitting there behind doors, going, "All right, we got him now." And and you would think, okay, it, it, when when you're in a society that's taxed heavily, that there would be no problems, right? Because they're funded, they got all the money they need for whatever they need. The roads should be perfect. Um, there should be very little to no crime. There should be, you know rainbows every weekend and 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 everything wonderful right and yet if you look at it if you look at the actual stats um you know the price of gas keeps going up the roads are are horrible uh the crime rates have either stayed the same they may have gone down a little bit but they're they fluctuate there certainly hasn't been any dramatic reduction of crime and there's still all the same problems that there's been ever since i was a kid um and yet the tax rates just keep going up and i wonder i just wonder if we were to dedicate some resources to the real problems we have real poverty out there we have real domestic violence problems we have substance abuse problems we have just sheer violence problems what if we were to focus on those
2: that's what I see. Just in my own life, I've had an experience this week as a, a former cellmate of mine that left here about two years ago uh, contacted me. And, uh, well, to his credit, he's going to a marijuana expo, and uh, he's wearing a shirt
4: with my picture on it. So, I, mean, <laughs> I, I can't take that from him. But I got locked up in 2002 because my business repaired trucks
2: for in Chicago for a Florida company which hauled marijuana from Mexico to Florida and Georgia and that region. And I received a life sentence in 2002 for that. In uh, 2012, I believe it was, he uh, robbed three banks, one in Minnesota, one in Illinois, and uh, one in uh, Wisconsin. So he robbed tellers by threatening them and all that and taking the money and leaving the bank. He got a four-year sentence. So he left here two years ago after serving his four-year sentence. His supervised release is even over, and he's outgoing that a marijuana offense. But yet the victims of, of his crime—you know, the the tellers that were intimidated by him and all that, and the people that got their money stolen in the banks—you know, there's, you know, I'm sure they they wonder if you know if there's really justice in a system where egos home he comes in and goes home while I still fish here because,
0: you know, I help somebody all marijuana. Well, and, and, you know, one of the reasons that we do this, this show is, is to educate people and enlighten people about some of the problems that are right in front of us. And, you know, they just, I, I just heard another uh, study, and they said that there's a 61 or 62 percent approval rating in America for uh, legalizing, I put giant quotes around that, of, of cannabis. And the federal uh, legislature is looking at it, you know, they continue to look at it. Um, there's all kinds of, uh, of, of criminal justice reform bills out there. There's a dozens of, of uh, cannabis reform bills out there. And yet, um, they don't ever make it out of committee. There isn't one of them that's even come close to a floor vote. And um, I think a lot of it is because people believe. That we're already done, that there isn't you know there isn't there isn't the work left to do, and i'm uh I get more and more frustrated because you know we're out here still pounding away, trying to educate people and let people know, and people don't realize what's happening out there is when we legalize things in a in a very restrictive way, what happens is we have the licenses those that are are so called legal. They end up being rats, and they end up trying to shut down those that are not. And all of a sudden, you know, I ask people so many times, who gives you the right to grow broccoli on your property? Who gives you the right to grow wildflowers on your property? And nobody considers that they need a right to grow that. Well, who gives you the right to grow cannabis? Well, it should be the same thing, right? Who gives you the right to grow peyote? Who gives you the right to grow poppies? Who gives you the right to grow any plant? I don't care what plant it is. Where do we get that right? We get that right because we're we're human beings and we figured out where to get the seeds and we have a place to put it and we got some water. That's the right we have. When did the government decide when did we allow the government to tell us what we can plant in the ground and what we can't? And when we did that, all of a sudden, uh, we opened up the door for it to be okay for one person to do it, but not another person. If you have a piece of paper, if you have paid Caesar the way Caesar wants to be paid, if you've gone through the hoops, if you've done the things they say, then you have that right. Well, the other person who maybe doesn't have those means or doesn't know how or, or, or isn't even aware that there's such an issue, that person's now a criminal. And uh, it's, it's happening more and more. Not less and less as we pass these laws that allow some people to do some things. Well, that's why I'd like to see something in the way of criminal justice
2: reform in our our legislatures. That you know, okay, yes, the the one that they passed in uh, December called the First Step Act. It did make. call a federal prison. It did make a small difference for prisoners. They they gain about seven days extra per year of good time. Um, there's some more money for schooling for prisoners in that. And, uh, and I mean, there's some minor changes in it, but uh, it really doesn't change, you know, why Why are half of the federal prisoners in for drug offenses where there's no victim? And of that half, which is uh, right now about 90,000 federal prisoners, about 20% of them, so that would make it, you know, about 17,000 federal prisoners, are in for marijuana crimes. And, and that's against the backdrop of, what is it now, 31 or 32 states that have some sort of legalized marijuana. <laughs> yeah, I it's mean, crazy. You know, what are we doing? There's something that
0: needs to be fixed. That's the big question. What are we doing? So, Well, Craig, I, I, uh, I know we always run short on time, and I, I'm always kind of long-winded when it comes to this, so I want to kind of give you the last uh, few minutes that you have.
2: Okay, well, that is my push to to our lawmakers. Uh, I ask everybody, you know, contact your lawmaker, give them an email, give them a, a letter, give them, you know, give them a peace of mind if you see they're in your neighborhood, but tell them that, you know, uh, an act before Congress that just says the federal government gets out of marijuana altogether. Leave it up to the states, leave it up to the local governments, but push Push your congressman, uh, be it your senator, your representative,
4: give marijuana a vote. And take a look at our criminal justice system. Why are we chasing around drug people and giving them life sentences when violent offenders, non-murder violent offenders only face up to 20 years in prison? Get a hold of these people and tell them this
2: needs to change And we want to change. You're, you're the one that, you know, that the
0: government works for, supposedly. <laughs> Well, and there it goes. Craig drops off. All right. Well, you know. So for anybody who doesn't know, that was Craig Cecil, currently serving a life sentence in federal prison, um, on on a conspiracy case where his uh, company was a truck repair company um, that fixed trucks, and some of the trucks that he fixed uh, were were used in smuggling, and uh, he he put them back together after they were all torn apart. He. Uh, got caught up in a conspiracy case, and because of our tough-on-crime laws, he's serving a life sentence in federal prison where there is no victim, no victim whatsoever. All right, so we're up to our, uh, our uh, scheduled guest. We've got Jonathan Windyboy here, and, uh, you know, this is the third, the third time is the charm. The first time, um, he, he didn't have the information to call in. The second time he was ready to call and we didn't have a show. And here we are, we've connected the dots and uh so I'm just going to go ahead and bring you up here. Jonathan, welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
5: Hello, I'm doing pretty good so far.
0: <laughs> I apologize <laughs> for the for the rocky start, but uh here we are. Um and and uh you know, I I have a little bit of information about you as far as um you know, your background um but I'd rather just give you a chance to introduce yourself let people hear uh your words and uh you know why don't you tell us a little bit about your political background um and uh you know maybe a little bit about the the work that you've done and then let's let's get into this uh this issue of uh you know of being accused
5: okay thank you very much uh first of all uh, twenty years ago or so. 25 years ago, I'd been doing a a little bit of uh, drug and alcohol prevention activities and education and uh, conferences across the country, school districts in Navajo, and uh, a lot of that. And when I tried to come home to do some local stuff, I'd hit a lot of roadblocks. And then there was one little fella, a grade schooler, saw my frustration. He asked me, what's what's wrong? And so I told him, well, it's kind of frustrating that I can't even get my local leaders to uh, try to try to uh uh support what I'm trying to do for education purposes. And so he looked at me and said, Well, why don't you run? And so at that yeah. point I that that's when I started and uh it took a grade schooler to get me to that uh to that point of making that decision and I got elected onto my tribal council from nineteen ninety eight to twenty ten. And then in uh when I in that meantime in that early two thousand I served as the chairman of the Montana-Wyoming Tribal Leaders Council, which consists of the uh, tribes in Montana and Wyoming, and they sent me to Helena for a uh, uh, an issue, a human service issue, during the 2001 legislature at that time. So I came here, and my local uh, um, representative that was representing in my district had uh, had uh, was on a committee I was, I was presenting to, testifying to, and and he uh, voted against why, why I was there. And then when I, uh, they did, the door didn't even close, and they took the vote, and he voted against why I was there. And so when I was walking out, he followed me, and he said, "Hey, Jonathan, come here, come here." He said, and so I stopped and heard him out. And he said, "You don't, you don't understand how things work here." He said, "I, I had to vote that way." And I told him, "Well, you could have. Yeah, you had the votes to uh, kill what I'm here for." So he could have humored me and voted to support me, and so anyway, right. and so anyways, I told him. But I'll tell you one thing. I said I may not understand this uh, this whole situ this system that that you're in, but next year in two thousand two November, I said uh, when uh, the election's coming around, I'm going to take you out. And so that's yeah. what I did. I've been I've been in the Montana Legislature since two thousand two, and after this. Uh, in the next 2020 election, I'll be in here for 18 years. And so I have a total of, uh, after that, I'll have a total of 30 years of politics under my belt. And so anyways, through that whole course of time, I have uh, become one of the most influential uh, uh, lawmakers in the, in the legislature. And from 2002, I served three two-year terms of which which equated to six years and then because of the eight-year term limit i had a chance to run for the my senate seat in 2008 so i took on the incumbent democrat and i took him out and i've uh term limited uh that one for the eight years from 2008 to 2016 and then i had to uh, either uh retire or sit out so um i the, the way our rules are is if you sit out eight years in a con, eight consecutive years in a in a uh a uh chamber then you can run run for it again so the eight years of my senate ten year qualified me to uh run back from my house seat so i ran- and a successful in sixteen and again in eighteen and so uh, again that's uh, this is my ninth legislative session i've been here and I've been dealing with all kinds of issues here and uh, mostly in the human uh, services as well as language preservation, preservation, language immersion, suicide prevention. And uh, from 2005, 7, 9, 11, 13, I have have introduced uh, uh, bills that uh, increase penalties for domestic violence because I never hit a woman in my life and – there was also bills that uh, that uh, uh, made it harder for for uh, um, uh, a harsh work 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 environment and a harsh environment. And so, you know, my record is pretty well in the uh, support of trying to make things right. And then so that's kind of a little bit about a little back background of my uh, political history.
0: So um, you know, I I always wonder um you know many times i considered running for office but then you know you in california things are are pretty messed up in the sense of um you know the the forces that are influencing legislators seem to be you know pretty overpowering and you know i there's a lot of frustration growing um amongst citizens with their government and you know you're on the other side of it um what do you think you know can can you see a disconnect between a lot of legislators I mean a lot of this is federal issues but even on the state level and in, in California especially I think there's a gigantic disconnect between the, the state legislation and me for, for sure my my state legislators haven't been helpful in, on in any issues I've had um, what do you think it you know in in montana you don't have a, a nearly as many people as we do here in california but what's what's the political climate like i mean uh, do you feel like uh politicians are are influenced a lot by the big business do you feel like um, like there's actually really a system that's working i mean what do you what what's your thoughts from the inside perspective
5: Well, the whole dynamics is different from uh California and other places. Montana has barely reached a million uh mark as far as the uh, census in 2010 and so our uh, our political climate is a little different and there is a lot of uh uh, things that occurred with the redistricting and so the advantage of uh the redistricting portion in our state had uh, had had gone more to the conservative side and in the nine sessions i've been here the closest i've been in being in the majority party of the Democrats was uh, 50-50 and the only reason why we we're a majority is because we had a Democrat governor. And so the uh, the climate that we have here as far as a conservative um, it's just sometimes it gets pretty harsh and the name calling gets pretty harsh. And uh, as a matter of fact they even have uh, one of the uh, training camps up in the northwestern part of the state that goes into Sandpoint, Idaho, which is the where they have the training of the uh of the uh, KKK and all of those and all of that so the climate is pretty is 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 pretty uh pretty heavy as a matter of fact giving an example that uh there is uh, there was a um, a native lady who had a backfire in her pickup going through uh the northwestern part of the state and and people in the area thought somebody was shooting at them so they put her on a run and so, you know, that, that, that they, they take the, the privacy, right, Pri- privacy, or not the privacy, but the uh, private lands, all of that stuff, pretty serious up in Montana. So the climate is, it, it depends. And that was one of the things that, you know, when I first got in here, I used to be told, geez, why do you want to go there? I said, there's, there's nothing but a bunch of racist bigots and all of that stuff. But if I, when I got here, it, it turned out that most of the people there in the legislature weren't really the racist bigots that that they were labeled as. It's just that they were uneducated. So I got to uh, visit with a lot of them, and and what I found out was that uh, it wasn't that they were racist or bigots, but it's just that they were uneducated. And so that was what I that, that was what part of my mission on my own personal. Is to educate them, let them know where I'm coming from, and let them know the obstacles and the hoops that we uh, have gone through over the not only over the years but over the centuries. So that's kind of the climate as far as the political atmosphere in in this state.
0: And you know, um, it, it, you have a name, Jonathan Windyboy. I have to ask, where where did that come from?
5: Well, my my uh, on my great grandpas side. He come in from Canada, and he was uh, up there. He was his name was Wandering Spirit, and he was a war chief for uh, the Chief Big Bear up around Frog uh, Lake area. <clears throat> and so, when he was accused of uh, of uh, murder and all of that stuff, he was put on a run. And uh, eventually, in the late 1800s, he made it down towards Haver, Montana. And then, at that time, when the government was uh, was uh rounding up all of the natives in the area and giving them the enrollment and all of that stuff and then he changed his name to big wind his uh his uh spirit given name guardian name and then his uh he's, he had thirty three kids and my and my grandpa was the youngest of all thirty three and his uh Indian name was uh windy boy and okay. so from then when they had the enrollment rolls and all of that stuff. My grandpa just kept uh, kept that as our as our last name
0: um up in montana i mean I'm familiar with uh, some of the some of the native folks up there um, what kind of work are you doing specifically you know uh historically as you know uh the native people have had uh, a rough a rough uh treatment uh, over the over the last two hundred and fifty years um and you guys have uh you know, recently gotten some opportunities with casinos and such, but it doesn't—it uh, doesn't fix the problems that that have kind of landed on you. Um, and you know, there's a lot of problems that we can that we can make changes, and and some that are more difficult. Um, as a state legislator, you have opportunity to, uh, you know, maybe uh, you know support or, or promote programs that can help uh, the native people. What what? What have you been able to do on that front?
5: Well, in 2013, uh, I got the state general fund to uh, fund uh, language preservation at two million dollars, and I had a lot of pushback even from my own uh, members, from my own party. And so when uh, I took it out of a fund, uh, it, it it raised hackles even in Indian country. Kind of, I guess you can say that it pitted Indian versus Indian. But at the end of the day. Knowing that we had over a ten billion dollar budget, that two million dollars is chump change, and we could get it out, we could get it out from from someplace else, which eventually happened at the last week of the uh, that legislature, and they found they miraculously found two million laying around, so they funded them, and so anyways, and then in 2015, that that uh, program was so successful that when the governor took his uh, road trip to Indian country and that was one of the things that tribes wanted to uh, make sure that's in place. So the government put it in his budget at 1.5, and so it kept on dwindling down. In the last session, there was a million in there, and uh, so there was shortage in funding. So being a one-time only from the general fund, the, and that's when they uh, knocked that in half. So that's what I've been trying to do is to trying to make sure that's a, a permanent funding source for, uh, for the preservation of languages. And just giving you an example that uh, when we first started uh, our preservation program on my reservation, there was 165 fluent speakers out of 7,000, and today we're at about 98 maybe, give or take a few. And even Blackfeet, I just found out last night visiting to one, one of my uh, Blackfeet colleagues that they have 18,000 people and they have 40 fluent speakers left. So we're at a, we're at a dilemma here as far as... Uh, Possibly witnessing the extinction of uh, of native languages in in our state, and I'm sure that's probably the the, the norm across the country. And so that's in and, and 2015 with this language immersion bill that uh, that I got put in place. <clears throat> what what because the uh, the school districts, public schools have possession of our our kiddos from eight to four am that eight, eight, eight to four pm every day I wanted to put together the opportunity for um, for these fluent speakers to come into the schools and have uh, uh, have that opportunity to teach these young kids the the language and so that's part of uh, that that has been a part of uh, what that was and then at the same time uh, we just uh, had a hearing today and we're extending that deadline to 2023, and so that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to get at least one language immersion uh, school on each reservation in Montana. So the efforts are still there, and I'm not giving up on that, and, uh, and so it, there's you know, a
0: way to, um, you know, they have these uh, programs uh, for learning different languages where they have, uh, you know, an online uh, course, or they have recorded... Um, uh, you know, they have, they have these whole programs, like, uh, I don't know, it's a program called Babel that you can learn different languages. I wonder if there's a way to integrate uh, that kind of technology, um, you know, with some of these folks and, and maybe even create a program that, that could be, um, you know, distributed or made available to people.
5: Actually, there is, and, and that's one of the things, because every legislative session we have all seven reservations in uh, the Little Shell. Uh, wh- which is a state recognized tribe. They come in and they they have the uh, uh, the uh, rotunda for the day, and so when they came in, they then that's one of the things that about at least four of the tribes are current. They 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 do have online apps such as that, and so there is those okay. those, uh, those those interactive studies in place.
0: So there's at least uh, at least hope, uh, you know, for for people even if these people that are fluent aren't able to reach everybody that might want to learn there's still there's still a way to learn
5: yes and, and that's what and that's what, and, and i'll give you a little example of how the, how i set up this language immersion in montana because it was specific for montana and using my my, my experience as a tribal leader got me a good understanding of how our, the social Uh, services systems work on the local level. So because we have a high unemployment rate on reservations, there's uh, a requirement uh, for public assistance to have a requirement of 20 hours of work or looking for work. And so what I wanted to, I I left the uh, opportunity for tribes or the local policymakers to uh, pursue that and expand their policy to allow those parents or grandparents or whoever raising the kids to allow them that 20 hours to be uh taken taking a course at tribal colleges because each reservation in Montana has a tribal college on them and and that would uh it's a win-win situation for everybody because right now in Rocky Boy like I said we have 7,000 members there's 4,000 residents and that tells me there's 3,000 people out there wherever they may be for work school or whatever that they'll have the op, and once they find out they have the opportunity to uh, take evening courses, then they can dial in and take uh, take the language classes at the same time. And then uh, while the uh, the parents are at home and they're they, they're registered for these uh, evening courses, and then the kids, because the kids, once they start learning the language at home, at, chances are pretty pretty good that they're not going to have anybody to converse with once they get home. And so by, by having this, it's also a family strengthening tool to go together to learn the language and start speaking and themselves at, at home so it's it's kind of a uh, like I said, it's a outside the box approach and and it hasn't really caught on yet not the way I wanted it to
0: well as, as we know uh, you know staying with something um, can can bring about results so it sounds to me from what I've heard and what I've you know, we've done a little bit of research about you, that, you, you know, you're you're a pretty fine, upstanding guy who's done a lot of good for the community. Um, but that doesn't necessarily matter sometimes. It seems like you've run into a, a, a little bump in the road. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what's happening? And before you get started, I want to preface that, you know, the Human Solution International is a, a 501C3 civil rights organization, and, and we believe very strongly that we all, you know, have inalienable rights and and basic human rights and civil liberties that that are equal for everybody and um you know we focus on a number of causes including uh recently we've added uh, native american uh uh causes into our into our uh mission and uh sergio sandoval um, brought you to our attention and and sierra as well um who we've been working with and uh you know, asked if we could, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, help out with this uh, injustice that was happening. And uh, so we were able to put up a a press release and and, um, and get it distributed out there, and we actually got some results. We had uh, apparently one of the um, reporters that was involved in in putting this story out um, reached out to us and was looking to uh, get some clarification. And I'm not sure what all has come of it, but why don't you tell us a little bit about this this little uh, uh, fiasco that's gone on.
5: Okay, well, a couple of years ago, I was uh, when I was serving on uh, on a committee, and, uh, you know, just giving a, a little bit about farther back, about around 2011 is when I become a, a bachelor, a single person that where things didn't really work out with me and the uh, me and the missus so we went our separate ways and and uh and so anyways when uh I uh I I reached out to uh an individual and I'm 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 not gonna mention any names or whatever because of privacy issues. So anyways uh, uh, just like any 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 uh normal citizen you know, we we all everybody we're all human. We all have our uh, our needs. We all have our uh, our wants and everything. And uh, one of the things that we uh, try to do is to try to be cordial and try to be uh, to, to, to 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 become involved, whether it be uh, a French through friendship or through uh, intimate relationships or whatever. And so, anyways, when I start to uh, converse with the, this one lady, she. Uh, She she had uh, written this complaint and turned it into uh, my leadership. And and what happened at that point in time is usually when, like the previous uh, uh, caller was talking about, that in my case there was a process that was skipped, and that's the due process part of it. And any human resource uh, organization that they have within uh, any employee employee setting is that – the the uh, human resource person gets a complaint, and then they get the opportunity. They give the opportunity for both the accused and the accuser to come before them, and they'll review the the complaint. And then if it and if it uh, then uh, deserves further investigation, then both parties will be known, and then they'll do the investigation. That part there was was skipped, and uh, what happened was. The uh, leadership had uh, received the complaint, and then the leadership then turned around and reviewed it, and then they sent it directly to the investigator. And so through this whole process, my side of the story has never been told. Nobody, I was never given the opportunity to tell my side of the story, which is why I feel that's why the uh, uh, report came out and the newspaper article came out with only a one-sided version of what the real story was and uh if 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 I was to be brought up and according to the rules here that once the leadership has received the complaint then the the rules here state that uh that uh it's going to be directed to the rules committee and it was it wasn't during the session it was off and wasn't even at any Thing to do with, uh, with work related, but they still went ahead in the, and and for me the way I, the way I'm taking this is that once they turn us over to that investigator, the investigator contacted me and you know, I didn't have nothing to hide. I, had, uh, I just wanted to go in and tell the truth and, and uh, let it be what it was. And so anyways, I, w- I went into the investigator and the question lines of questioning, to me, I felt was uh, pretty narrow and focused, like there was a mission to, of some sort. And so anyways, after that, I went my merry way. But the part of the report that wasn't told was when I asked, a, when I asked this person for coffee or dinner, she accepted. And that, that's no – and, and I, I, I doubt if that's in the report. But if I was given that opportunity to tell my side in the early stages, they would have taken a look at that, and they probably would have thrown it out. Because, you know, if uh, and if there was as offensive as it came out to be or made a sound to in the in the papers, then uh, all she had to do was call me up and say, hey, look, I don't appreciate your comments or or whatever. And then I would have said, "Oh fine, that's don't have to worry you'll never hear from me again and I should have been done with that, but yet at the same time when they the report came back from that investigator, they took it upon themselves to uh, to make that determination that this was harassment and so uh, so at that point in time that was uh, the uh, leadership had told me the situation. and So uh, and they notified me that the uh, that this was documented and all of that and uh, even last week as of last week the uh, one of the leadership on the Senate side had mentioned to me that he thought this was a done deal. We we uh, looked at it, we heard it, we sent an apology, we put it on the shelf. That's why I thought it was going to stay. And then uh, about a month ago, or so, that's when uh, the one another uh, member of the leadership team had kind of blurted this out because there was a uh, what was on what was on the table was the new proposed harassment because the last rules that we're we operating on was two one half pages of in the, in the in the joint rules and this new proposed rules was 10 pages and this 10 page one should have been in place and and to me it was kind of like a, a covering some tracks it seems like some, some some wasn't right it still doesn't seem right but yet at the same time i got persecuted and within a short period of time then the uh leadership had mentioned after the re- after the foyer request from the ap writers had uh had uh, requested from legislative services they want this report they want the notes they want everything to do with that and so when the legislative services uh, attorney gave him the redacted report then uh, what should have happened is rather than giving the ap the redacted report looking at the cover letter here he should have taken it straight to the court and told the ap if you you want this thing you're going to have to go petition to the court and the judge to, to let them know because th- at that point when the ap article came out on february 22nd which had my name on there and the uh, leadership had met, had uh, outed me and mentioned my name but yet on the day before on february 21st i signed a no waiver privacy rights and so that document itself by not waiving my constitutional rights, then they turned out the next day, and I was the only one that was outed as far as in that in that uh, article, and everybody's saying that uh, everybody you know as public opinion has persecuted me and has already judged me and, and everything, but at the same time there were there were laws that were federal laws that were broke and that's and that's the issue that I have I mean I've already said my stated my my piece at least a part of my story but i'm, I'm reserving the, the 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 point in case i do decide to um file charges as far as a civil case so that's still an option but at, to the, to this date i have not uh, waived my uh privacy constitutional privacy rights so if there's any article since then they you know it's going to be it' be up to the courts and the judge and whomever to see who's culp- culpable because this there's a lot of numbers of uh, of uh, newspaper outlets that uh had uh taken part of the a p and put their own little twist on it so in the in the end run that's the way I'm labeled as a harasser.
0: Yeah, it seems that uh, news agencies oftentimes will uh, turn things to uh, to suit their needs, and a negative story, you know, seems to get legs. I always caution people when they uh, have opportunities to be interviewed by news people to be careful what they say because many times they'll take, uh, you know, five words out of a 20-minute interview and uh, spin it a certain way that, that isn't necessarily what, what was intended. Um, you know, journalism is supposed to be pure, it's supposed to be uh, reporting, you know, what happens so that we can trust them, but it doesn't work out that way a lot of times. Um, well, I hope that the, the press release that we issued, um, at least it, it put a counterpoint um, and, and, it, and it brought up that there was questions, and um, I know that it did get the attention of some of the agencies because they did actually reach out for some clarification. and. I haven't talked to Sergio in a couple of days, but I'm going to find out if there's been any follow-up because, um, you know, if there's if there's a, a, any way that we're able to. They were asking about us and our legitimacy, and we've been federally recognized for almost five years now as a civil rights organization. Mm-hmm. So um, we, we've been able to at least explain who we were and, and, and why we were taking this position. So um, I hope that yeah. we're able to do so. Um, and just know that, uh, you know, and unless I, I, we had our people do their own independent research and and nobody found anything, um, substantial that was negative. So I, I, I'm a man who believes somebody unless I'm shown otherwise. So, uh, it's not right when, when equality doesn't happen and, and only a part of the story, um, is allowed to be told in a way that hurts somebody. That's, that's not right.
1: And we know
0: yep,
1: how and that you know, feels. You know. Oh, Jonathan, Wendy, boy, this is Liz Grumbine. And we know how that yes. feels because my husband, as we were fighting our own battle with the government, the prosecutors and other witnesses accused him of things that weren't true. And my, my, my man is an honest man. I know how he is and went through this battle with him and these lies that they said were not true. So we know exactly what you're going through.
5: Yeah, and the thing about it is that in my district right now, sixty percent of uh, my district is native, and and it, and it uh, includes two reservations: the Rocky Boy Reservation, where I live and where I'm enrolled at. That's where my dad is, and the other reservation is where my mother is. So I think people have underestimated uh, the support that I have within my own district, and if they think that this is going to, was, is going to take it, take me down, I think they're going to be, they're going to have a uh, some Something else to uh, see When I get reelected next year
0: Well I just know that you do have our support And um, I'll be talking to you And Sergio And uh, and if there's anything else that we can do To be helpful just know that You know I have this show every Wednesday And if there's something that comes up That uh, you think might be uh, Helpful to reach out to our, our Audience um, I'll make that available to you And okay. um, you know just know that, uh, you know, we're here to help you if we
5: can. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, my my, uh, my my one late uncle told me one time, and I had a good visit with him. He said, as long as you know and as long as the big man upstairs knows what the truth is, that's all that matters. I know what the truth yeah. is. My truth is going to set me free.
0: There you go. And, that's you know, that's what I always say. When you shine the light on what happens? The rats and the cockroaches scurry away and the rock stars yeah. come out and stand up. And that's you know, let let the truth be the light. That's that's what I have to say.
5: Yep. Oh and I also exactly
1: Jonathan Jonathan Wendy Boy, yeah. and I would like to also extend an invitation if if you're available on April the thirteenth I'm having a ceremony here with um with Sierra and um Sergio, deal, so I would
5: be honored if you would would come. So. Well, at some point, at some point in time, I will. But my legislative session is a ninety-day session, and uh, my last day is on May first. And okay. we go six days a week, so it's kind of. But uh, definitely at some point in time.
0: Well, Jonathan, I have a few people that are asking about how to uh, um, how to reach out to you. Um, do you have a Uh, Social media presence Are you on Facebook or anything Or how can somebody reach you
5: Well Facebook is the last thing I ever wanted to be on I'm not too social uh, uh, Media friendly I'm pretty kind of Technologically challenged And uh, all I do is text and email And phone calls But uh, my phone number is 406-945-1805 and my email address is rep r, r R-E-P, as in Robert Edward Paul. The number is three two, and my initials J W B at gmail dot com. Excellent,
0: excellent. All right, Jonathan. Well, I appreciate your time, and I appreciate you taking some time out to talk to our audience. And uh, know that uh, I'll make this available to you if you've got anything you want to bring up. And uh, if you get a phone call or an email from a Laura or somebody else, know that they're coming from uh from some good folks, they're part of our team, and uh you know, I believe that a lot of times people come up with good ideas or even just to share support um you can count on that from us.
5: yeah, appreciate that
0: you bet all right, well, thank you so much for joining us, and uh I hope to talk to you soon. yep, thank you all right, Jonathan Windyboy, Boy folks. All right, we've got Pete Yaple up from New York next, and um, we're going to be at the end of the show. This is now an hour show, and we're an hour and 15 minutes into it. Pete Yaple, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Doing good, Joe. Yourself? I'm doing amazing.
3: I know. I, you, know you guys always are. Glad to hear Liz on the radio tonight. Helen, uh, Helen was happy to hear her voice. She jumped right up the then she started speaking. So... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're uh, we're plugging along. We've been, you know, just keep keeping busy. Uh, uh, we had that. We were supposed to have a uh, council meeting at the city council in Port Jervis last night. It got postponed for Monday, this coming Monday evening. But uh, uh, we're looking forward to doing that. and Getting involved there. Getting the human solution. Um, uh, solidarity, obviously, our our uh, chapter active and. And making a difference in the community It needs it So, we're going to present a, uh, an, out, a, an outreach program to them, a hand up program that we've been building. Uh, we've been lucky, we've got some doctors that we've uh, met lately that are uh, more than happy to sit on this board, you know, free. This is a free commit. this is a volunteer uh, venture that we're trying to put on. Uh, just so that the obviously the community can feel comfortable, you know they don't feel that people are um, there to benefit, you know, and it's just there to help them. And the more the community can be involved in it, the better. And, and and like I always say, you know, when when you when you finally have a purpose or you have something you feel like you're doing where you're actually able to contribute again, it gives you that reason to keep going and keep going forward. And, and hopefully we can stir up some you know some people that will understand that this plant is. You know, just like you were saying before, just a plant. There, you know, why can't I grow it like everything else? It, it, it's it's really become silly, honestly. Well, it's exciting. Um, you guys are looking at, at
0: doing this outreach program, and, um, you know, we talked about uh, the neck of the woods that you're in is a, um, a, a huge number of uh, heavy drug users, and, um, you know, we've determined or... or said that people that have addictions you know whether it's heroin or opiates or uh, meth or alcohol or whatever the addiction is that that is a harmful uh, situation it's a, it's a it's a disability and as much as you know I, I'm a person that doesn't believe in victims very much um, and I believe that choices are ultimately um, the foundation of this but there's so many Factors involved in a lot of mental health and PTSD, and and you combine all these things together, um, abuse um, and and all of these things. Sometimes uh, the humanity just can't stand up to it, and uh, you know, succumb to to uh, you know some of these substances. And so to be able to reach out um, as a as as part of a civil rights organization that that you know is standing up for for these people um, and, and offering a, an arm-up and, and, and some opportunity. Uh, I, I'm very excited to see this uh, take take uh, its first steps, and, and most importantly, or maybe not most importantly, but certainly importantly, that you have the support of the community and you've got uh, physicians and, in fact, even the mayor um, that is, has that is shown support for this. So um, I'm really excited to see this. Uh, start to take take place and uh you know i'm just really really proud of the organization we've got uh a number of of chapters and individuals that are really starting to step forward and and um you know reach out into some of our our new territory of our expanded mission and um you know we're helping more and more people in more and more
3: ways absolutely we've got a great team and we honestly do and uh Uh, it's all about putting forth the effort, guys. Like, like, again, like Joe said, we're lucky the mayor is on board with it. You know, the police department's sick of it. You know, unfortunately, this little city sits uh, in the corner of three states at border. The city itself borders, Matamoros, Pennsylvania, and Sussex, Jersey. And they're all very not very rich areas either. So this just becomes a big hub for all of the heroin that's coming through the area to pass through. I mean, they've had, you know, fire department chiefs involved in this heroin ring you know they're, they're, they're poisoning people and then sending their people out to go save them with narcon I mean this is it, it's really get, it, it's really getting out of hand and and you know when things get out too far out of hand Helen and I just can't sit by we just can't
0: well I appreciate that and I, I hope that as time goes by as, as, as our organization gets stronger and more robust that more and more people can't sit by and watch injustices just happen and unfold, and watch um, social problems happen in front of you without reaching out to do something. You know, humanity, the human solution, it's a heavy term. It's something that is deep and real, and, and it's, it's who we are. And if we're not part of a solution, then what are we, you know? And, and it's, right. a, it's, an, it's an important question to ask, and... And I think there's so many ways that we can be part of the solution and, and, and reaching out to help, help a, a, a human in need is, is certainly part of it. So um, I'm excited and, I, and, I, and I'm, you know, curious to see how this plays out and, and hopefully, um, you know, we're going to end up creating a template that can be spread easily all over the place. And uh, so we're, we're watching and we're, we're, we're standing in support.
3: Thanks, man. I know you guys always do. You always got our back. But So we're going to go live with it. We'll, Helen and I will obviously post it. And we'll put it up on the Human Solution page as well. But we will be live at 7 o'clock next Monday night at this. Uh, the, the one thing I will say uh, and what has us so excited is, I don't know about a lot of cities, and I've been to a lot of town board meetings, and, and some are, you know, the community is involved and. You know, and some it's just, you know, the businesses and, you know, people of power and predominance. But Port Jervis is tired of what's going on. So it kind of is working out at the right time. You know, we've been walking the streets a little bit, talking to people and talking to business owners, um, you know, documenting this stuff so that, you know, we, we can show people that we can be community strong, you know. It, 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 like I said, it might not work everywhere. I mean, you, you can't take a small print like this and throw it and say Oakland. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't work like that. But neighborhoods within Oakland or, say, the Bronx or Brooklyn here on our coast can adapt this and it not be like a turf war thing, but a let's our community take care of our community. And then you'll see hands reach across, you know, and then once we all are reaching our hands across, we can all hold hands, and maybe we can get something finally done. Well, I love it. And, Pete, if somebody wants to
0: help out in your neck of the woods up in the New York uh, part of the country, how do they get a
3: hold of you? It's very simple, 845-522-3162. That's my phone number. Helen's phone number is 352 299 You can always visit Solidarity Over Separation on uh, on Facebook or reach out to our webpage, canawetalk 42 smallocom
0: Excellent. Well, Pete, it's always a pleasure. Uh, You and Helen are doing an amazing job, and uh, I look forward to uh, watching Solidarity Over Separation. Reach out and touch some folks.
3: Amen, brother. All right, we'll talk soon. Geez, guys! Everybody, have a great night, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you all next week. Excellent. All right, folks.
0: Well, I don't know if you remember, but we've turned this uh, two-hour show into a one-hour show, and it seems that we've already gone uh, 20 minutes over that one hour. But I do have uh, one more thing I want to bring up. Um, it looks like I may be going to Kansas in the next in the next uh, month or so. And our Kansas chapter has been just tearing it up. And they have submitted a bill um, on their own, not as a human solution specific effort, but the bill happens to be called a human solution um, for Kansas. And uh, I'm just so proud of that, because again, it's what this is. And they have um, a a bill that's sort of modeled off of uh, Oklahoma's legislation that is the closest thing to something good that I've seen and it gives most of the power to the people, and uh yes, it does mean that my wife will get another puppy um, so i anybody wants one of the old ones I'm glad to uh
1: to to uh, help
0: you out here. We have some slightly used uh no, no,
1: puppy. some if slightly used chihuahuas power. that I can give
0: away um so that she can rescue yet another one. I said he would
1: never go back to Kansas again. I go, okay, I did say if that. you do go back to Kansas, I get a rescue dog. Yes.
0: Goes,
1: okay. Right, Willow? Yeah.
0: So anyways, um, um, they're doing such good work out there, and I'm willing to um, reach out and, and grow the herd, yet one more animal. And Yay. this is little Willow, one of the many. <laughs> um, and they're organizing an opportunity to sit down, with legislators, and to give some real education. There was a um, a hearing uh, a week ago or so, and Sarah and Mike called me up and explained how horrible it was. And there were people that had attended this hearing that just didn't know what they were talking about. And they're talking to the community, and they're talking to uh, lawmakers, uh, and they're doing it. Poorly. And, and, you know, the only thing that's worse than no information is bad information. And if we are going to do any good, if we're going to change the world, if we're going to end prohibition and open up all the liberty that could come from that, we got to have our facts straight. we got to be able to communicate with people in a way that they might pay attention and listen. we got to make ourselves available with knowledge and experience And these people can't say the words. They don't know how to say cannabidiol. They don't know how to say cannabinoids. They don't know how to say endocannabinoid system. They don't know not only what these things are, but they don't know how to save them. And we need to be able to bridge that gap. The truth is our salvation. The truth is the thing that's going to end Prohibition. The truth, if people could understand the truth in a way that actually registered, actually touched them a little bit, we wouldn't have the problems that we have. It would all of a sudden become obvious that these big companies that are benefiting so much from us being locked up and, and not able to have access to this are the ones that are the only ones that are benefiting from this. And the truth about nobody ever dying from this plant, and so many hundreds of thousands, probably millions of people that have benefited from this plant. That's a truth that just can't be kept down for too long. But unfortunately, the gap between where we are today and where we need to be is gigantic. And I do have a copy of the bill, and I am studying it. And trust me, when I come out there, I'm gonna be an expert on that bill. Um, But that's what we need is we need people that are capable, people that are able to talk about this plant, this medicine, and its relative safety and the benefits that can come of it. And also common sense, you know? If we can get the idea of of common sense, relative safety, harm reduction, these terms that, that have application all across society, if we can bring that into the picture, Maybe, just maybe, we can get some influential people to understand and maybe be willing to learn. And if we can teach even a few of them these truths, maybe we can get them to care like we do. And maybe, if we can get them to care like we do, maybe we can get them to help and make these changes. And I believe that that's something that we can do, And I'm willing to go to Kansas to help it out, so that's what uh, we have uh, waiting in the wings right now, brewing in the pot, Um, and so on that note, um, next week we're going to do this again, I don't have any (laughs) guests, yes, I am coming to Kansas, I don't have any guests scheduled for next week, so if you or you know somebody that wants to come on, get a hold of me, we're going to have a show one way or the other, there's always lots to talk about, but... I like it when we have a plan. I like it when we have a guest. I like it when we have, uh, yes, I am getting a puppy, too. Rescue. <laughs> Six is just not enough, you know. Uh, we just got to have more, plenty more. But anyways, um, if you want to get involved, get onto the website, THSINTL.org. Go to the Contact Us page and let me know about it. Um, as you can see, we've we've opened up the show to a little bit uh more of a diverse conversation, and we're gonna be talking more and more about the medicine, more and more about why this plant is important um, to be free. And uh, on that note, I'll see y'all next week. Let's see what Willie Nelson has to say about all of this.
4: Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse The Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Have said down You were always on my